Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Rachel Myers, and my typical co-host, Amanda Bible-Williams, will not be with us this week, but instead, I am joined by our special guest, Jada Edwards. Jada is an author, a Bible teacher, a mentor. She serves as a women's pastor and creative services director for One Community Church that she and her husband, Conway, planted in 2008. Y'all, Jada, she's been a guest of the podcast before. She's always a highlight. You're going to love this conversation surrounding the fourth week of our Roman study. We're going to dig into chapters 9, 10, 11, and get a little bit into 12. It's a great conversation, if I do say so myself. Jada's just—she's got so much good to say, and— I think in a book of the Bible like Romans, it takes a lot of charity to have a conversation among believers, and man, she was just fantastic for that. So I hope that y'all enjoy this as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Jada Edwards, welcome back to the She Reads Truth podcast. This is um, your third your third visit. Listen, that's the trifecta. I'm now officially It's your hat over. trick. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I am especially pleased that you're here to talk Romans with me today. I'm trying to think back. Now, the first time you were on the podcast, we talked New Testament like character studies. We were doing like women mm-hmm. in the word. And then after that, you came back and talked with Amanda and me about Joshua, mm-hmm. which I still remember. Loved mm-hmm. that conversation. But we're back in the New Testament today. And in a book that you have spent a lot of time studying, mm. teaching. You've got a Bible study on Romans. So Ew. like, talk to me about like your experience studying this and teaching the book of Romans. So I really felt like when the Lord first, you know, kind of put that in my heart, I was overwhelmed. I was like, no, Romans, <laughs> yeah. to me, Romans is like, I call it the Bible within the Bible. Like if, yeah. if you had to pick one book to have a comprehensive understanding of your faith, who God is, who you were, who you are now, all that he's done, like it's salvific history, right? It's the history of salvation. It's the present of salvation, how we live it out practically. And it's the future of our salvation. Like everything's there. And then within Romans chapter eight is like the chapter all chapters, right? And so when I really approached it, I was like, how do I tackle this in a way since I was producing a Bible study and not, you know, it's not a class in a seminary. I wanted it to be inviting because I think sometimes the Bible and especially books like Romans can feel intimidating. And so I was like, okay, the Lord put all this goodness in here for us. And it's, I have a couple of phrases that I use when I teach Bible study. And I always tell people, you may not understand every single thing, but what you need to know, you can know. There's going to be some things that that we differ on until glory. But what you need to know, you can know. It's very knowable. It's such a great comprehensive look at our faith. I think the thing that was interesting to me, that was a backdrop, which actually we talk about, we're going to talk about a little bit today with our chapters, was that Romans really was framed to address the disunity between Jews and Gentiles in that season, the Jews that had been, you know, kicked out Rome and now they were trickling back in and you have, they had all the ceremony and the heritage and the legacy and the Gentile church planters who were like, we've been doing this while y'all were gone. And the Jews are like, now we're back. And Paul's like, hold on, hold, everybody, everybody hold on. Everybody you know? yes. Yeah. And so it's really interesting because when I first read it, I was like, dang, he talks to the Jews and Gentiles a lot, directly addressing them. And yeah. it's really important because he's, he's kind of showing us that whether you had deep history, the Jews are what I call the church people. You know, you may have grown up in church and Yep. Everything about that. church and Jesus is like in your family bloodline. You know, you got the Bible in the living room with everybody's births in it. You know, you're just in it. And then some cultural. of us came. To, yeah. yeah, it's cultural. And some of us came to know the Lord later in life and maybe are in families where we're the only ones that know the Lord. Whatever it is, the bond and the cause of Christ is the commonality. And so Paul is That's like, right. listen, good. you guys came from two different lineages, but Here's what Jesus has done. Here's the bridge that he's built, not just to himself and the Father, but between the groups that never would have been connected. So there's a, in the time when I was studying it, you know, a lot of things were happening in COVID, a lot of racial tension and social justice tension. And Romans really spoke into that. You know, Paul was like, listen, groups that are at opposition with each other, if God could resolve your opposition with him through his son, certainly he can resolve your opposition with each other. And so it just... I think that the time period in which I studied it 
in the incubator of COVID and being inundated <laughs> with social media and headlines and things like that. It just it just was fresh to me. And so I think it's such a yeah. powerful book. Man, this is why I love having you as a guest on this podcast, Jada. <laughs> So good. I have like so many, like you just spark so many thoughts when you talk. I love it. I also love what you said. I'm going to say it back to you and I'll probably quote you wrong, but you said like, you don't have to understand everything, but what you need to understand, you will or something like that. Is that kind of what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Everything won't be known, but what needs to be known can be known. So amen. I love And it's okay. And you, you may argue and have great robust debate over various things in scripture and that's great and it's healthy as long as it's loving but there really are like a handful of points that we need to agree on <laughs> Amen. you know yeah. when we all see each other in glory and so I think Paul talks about a lot of things but he knows how to major on the majors too and so you can that's walk true. away saying here's really what I need to know everything else yeah. we're going to try our best and we're going to make some missteps but the things we need to know we can know without that I love that. I literally wrote in my notes today, maybe just because like I needed to like see it for myself, but I just like was just like encouraging myself, like you don't have to not read Romans because you don't understand it all. Like right. that's actually the reason to read it because I bet yeah. you'll understand a little bit more each time. Yeah. So do read Romans. Yeah. It's not one to avoid because it's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I learn every time. Yeah. And I also loved Jada, like just in the way that you said, like to have like that healthy debate, but to do it in love. Like there is a saying, and we don't know who it's attributed to. Like some people say St. Augustine. I don't actually think it was him. I think it was like a monk at some point. But it's that three-liner that says, says, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, mm-hmm. liberty, mm-hmm. and then in all things, charity. charity and yeah. like, it's like what you were saying, like, listen, there are essentials. Like we, yeah. like there are things that mark a believer. Like yeah. what are these things, like the birth, mm-hmm. death, life, resurrection of Jesus, like the, yeah. like these things are what what define like what it means to be a Christian. Right. But then there's like all of these things, like those like non-essentials that would like kind of like maybe define different denominations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, let's go liberty there. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And then in all things, charity. Yes. And that should also be the mark of a believer, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you look at, I think it's really intentional. If you look comprehensively, especially at the narrative of the life of Christ, how many, many topics he did not touch. He did not touch a lot of topics, which is why we needed all these epistles and all these other men of God to come and give some clarity to how the church should run and how people should interact with each other and some some kind of detailed things. But even, even that, you know, there's still a lot of room for interpretation. But I think it's interesting that if you just look at the Gospels, like the things that Jesus said, like, I am God. <laughs> I'm fully yeah. God. I'm fully man. I'm going to raise from the dead. There's only one way to the Father. Like, life with me is secure. Here's how we love. Here's how we forgive. Like, there's like literally a handful of things where, like, he's like, if you get these things, then I trust y'all to debate and work out the other stuff. And then Paul does us the great favor of unpacking it, even yeah. in the passages that we'll read today. Like, yeah. we'll actually, like, and he kicks off today's reading, like the Monday reading for the community this week. I think he starts with the line, I speak the truth in Christ, I am not lying. Like, he's just like, yeah. here we yeah. go. Like, and exactly what you said, Jada, like he, Paul does a really good job of getting super clear. Mm-hmm. where it matters, yep. and then stepping back where he's like, oh, my goodness, you guys. Like, even like you said a bit ago, you know, we got the the Gentiles doing church the way they're doing the church, and yep. and then the Jews come back, and they're like, that's not how you should do it. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, we are. Yeah. And Paul's basically like, listen, you're not better just because your yeah. history with God is longer. The pillars in your faith, the Abraham, they had to believe, too. They're, they're not God. Like, chill. Like, don't value your relationship with God or your standing with God over these Gentiles because the gospel is for everybody. And so if you're mm-hmm. going to have unity, you know, then you've got to figure out how to live that out in a way that's humbling and loving and unifying and all these things. And so a lot of the things he's sharing gospel truth, you know, like about Abraham and God's promises and a ton of Old Testament references, especially in what we're talking about today. He's sharing a lot of it, but he's really trying to convince them that, yes, I get your history. Yes, God's plan hasn't changed. Just because it looks different doesn't mean his word is not true and that his plan is not coming to pass. So he's like throwing a lot of stuff out there from the Old Testament to say, I get it. I was the Jew of Jews. Listen, I get it. Even though my job job is the gospel to the Gentiles, don't y'all forget that I was like the top of one of (laughs) y'all. Like, I get it. You know, I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. And so he throws a lot of that out there to say, I get this. However, 
God's plan is still what it is. And the Gentiles now have been folded in. They've been grafted in. Like now we're all one. And so it's kind of rich to me the way he makes such a detailed case for understanding where they're coming from. I get your struggle, but Mm -hmm. also showing where they need to be headed. Like you've got to be moving toward, you know, you cannot hang on to your heritage. Like it's something that's a deity. It's not. Like it's yes. rich, but it's not God. Hear like, that. <laughs> yeah. And some of us do that. You know, we're like, my grandfather was a pastor and my grandmother was this. And then I'm yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. that's great. That is great. But there's somebody that's going to get saved this year yeah. that might steam right past you in their, yeah. their love for God. And so he really is speaking a lot of gospel truth in an effort to drive unity. Like you've got yeah. to be. You've got to be unified in this because that's what the gospel does. It unifies you to God. So how are you going to have disunity with your brother? Like, what are y'all doing? So there's a lot of undercurrent message that, you know, it does make you get into the Old Testament, especially these, what we're talking about. Yeah. You don't get into the Old Testament. You'll be like, you're lost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I feel like it's like one of those, like, no one is surprised that the Lord chose the exact right person, but he's also chose the person I wouldn't have thought to choose. Like, to do this, to, like, unite the Jews and the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like, the Jew of Jews, the Hebrew of Hebrews, like, this guy who was raised to, like, know the law to a T, who calls himself the chief of sinners. And goes, like, I had the law nailed better than all y'all, and it can't save me. And to just go, like, it's all worthless. It's all trash. And, and and to go like, no, 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 this is what saves me. Like mm-hmm. believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, like his mercy yeah. saves me, his oh, yeah. goodness saves me. And then so like we get into this week and I just feel like I've read Romans before. I've read it as the essential gospel like we did a couple <laughs> years ago. The essential but gospel. The essential gospel. But like reading to prepare for this episode, I just felt a whole lot of things, but like I felt small in a really good way. Mm. I felt like the Lord's bigness in a really big way. I felt like maybe a little bit more than ever, the depth from which I was saved, like the Mm. kindness and the Mm -hmm. love of the Lord. And then just like as we get into like the later days this week, that all of the grafting conversation, Paul does a great job. Like for whatever Paul's shortcomings may be that people like might complain about, like he does a great job of— really walking us through what we have to boast in and what we do not have to boast in. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So here we are, quarter way through this episode already. We should let's let's go to the book of Romans together, Jada. Let's do it. Uh, And y'all know listening, like, you know, our goal is not to do this Bible reading for you. Our goal is to like, we've done the Bible reading and we're gonna talk about it, but we hope that our conversation just really drives you towards the text. Like, yes. hear what we're talking about and get hungry and thirsty for, like, reading the Bible every day this week because passages have been yeah. laid out for you. You've got them. So hear Jada and hear me being, like, so moved by what we've read. But don't feed on our emotion and our, like, what's compelled us. Like, go to the Word yourself. Go to Absolutely. that. and like, And you're going to see things that we never saw. And it's going to be awesome. And, like, I cannot encourage you enough to, like, go and read yourself. Okay. Yeah. Romans chapter 9, we're jumping, like, right into, like, well, it's just Paul. Like, the king of the run-on sentence. Here he is. I love it. I love it, too. I actually, I'm a fan. (laughs) I know that people have very opinions. But listen, he starts in on, like, okay, well, here's the deal. Like, the situation with Israelites, it breaks my heart. Like, these are my people. Like, he even mm-hmm. says, like, in verse 4, they're Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenant, the giving of the law, the temple service, the promises. Like, mm. those were things that yeah. were, like, given yeah. to them. The ancestors are theirs. And from then, the physical descent came the Christ, who is the God over all, praise forever. Like, he's like, this, your heritage does matter. Yeah. Do not hear me tossing that to the side. Mm-hmm. And I, like, yeah. appreciate, like, that starting point. I realize it's not a starting point because we're, like, halfway through a letter. But still, like, I appreciate that, like, little, like, putting a pin in, yeah. in the conversation, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then, like, there's sort of a, like, where it gets complicated, where he starts to kind of go, like— I mean, you know, we talked about, like, in Non-Essentials Liberty, like, these things about, like, we're going to talk today a little bit about, like, election and predestination. And, mm-hmm. like, there are a lot of, like, Jada, I don't even know where you stand, where I stand. Like, 
or even like where our listeners like may agree or disagree, but this is our place for liberty. I really believe that. And Absolutely. so we can just like read the text, hold it over our heads as our authority, and understand mm-hmm. it as the Spirit helps us. And so like let's talk through like this this heading, the God's gracious election of Israel. We can read from there. And also the Deuteronomy passage, which is beautiful. Where do you want to go from here, Jada? Let's go with, well, I think verse six is super important here in this chapter because. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For people who understood, like, these were God's chosen people. If you knew this audience still would have known the history, all the battles, all the failures, all the ups and downs with Israel. And now here we are. Okay, now the gospel's going to the Gentiles. Was this what God intended? Or maybe it's because some things got messed up and, oh, he just threw in the Gentiles. There's a bonus. Sometimes it can feel like what God is doing is haphazard or reactionary. And Paul is like, no, this is not a reaction to something. God's not surprised. His plan has not failed. And so Mm -hmm. his intentions will still come to pass. And so he's like, the word of God hasn't failed. The Israelites have not responded in full, still haven't to this day. But that doesn't mean God's plan has failed. And I think there's an assurance in that because if you're a Gentile going, wait a minute, these were God's chosen people. They're not responding the way that God had intended How's it going to work for me? And so do there's an yeah. assurance there. What Paul is saying, hey, God had a plan, but he also understood how man would respond. And so it kind of sets up what he's about to talk about in those next next few verses. And he gets into, you know, the fact that they're children of Abraham as his descendants. And he says that is not the children by physical descent in verse eight, who are God's children, but the children of the promise. And so he's saying even with all their heritage and richness, it still had to be a faith-based promise that made them children of God. Like That's no right. one gets to be born into heaven. <laughs> so he was like, they still, he, they were selected by God. They still are his children because of this promise of faith. And like, who can fathom? Who can know? Like the mind of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciated the Old Testament reading for this day because it like kind of like whooshes us back to Deuteronomy, which feels mm-hmm. like, okay, like Romans to Deuteronomy naturally. But in verse 11 of chapter 32, I love that it just kind of describes God in this like in this way. It says he watches over his nest like an eagle and he hovers over his young. He spreads his wings, catches them and carries them on his feathers. The Lord alone led them with no help from a foreign god. Like there again yeah. is this bigness of like it was me yeah. who brought yeah. you, who carries you. And I always right. love the the image of God as a bird, like an eagle. Right. Yeah. And I think that's just more more revelation of his character, thinking that, okay, gosh, did he harden the heart of Pharaoh? Man, God, that seems unfair. So could Pharaoh not have a chance? I don't know, because it's not like Moses didn't go back several times and say, hey, you want to let my people go? More than a few times. More than a few times. And so you might read this and go, gosh, well, did he harden the heart of Pharaoh? Or was Pharaoh's heart hardened and then God gave consequence? I don't know, but I know God's plan is perfect. And I know he's a protecting God and he's a caring, Mm -hmm. nurturing God. And so I have to understand, you know, that those are things that you you can't always reconcile. You know, my son, he's a 10 year old now and he's playing on a soccer team. And, you know, I am not a helicopter parent. I know my kids don't live in a bubble, but an incident happened recently that kind of bothered me. Just the way some of the adults were talking and talking to the kids and, these are his friends, and I like the adults. I just don't agree with how they were <laughs> doing this piece of communication. And I'm a tough cookie, you know. I'm Gen X, so I'm not super sensitive. But this was just a little. This was a little. I thought a little far for ten year olds. And so, yeah, told him. I said we're probably not going to go back to that team. And oh my gosh, first day he agreed. You're right. That was not right. Cried Jesus with me, please. But then by day two or three, he's missing his friends. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand why I can't go back. And I already know that what they said is not right. And I'm not going to say it. And I said, I know. I don't know how to explain to you that I can like them and love them and not agree with how they're handling this. And my job is to not put you in that environment. So I'm a, we're going to find some other things for you to do. Other soccer team. He was just so oh, frustrated. He's like, you're not listening to me. You're trying to control me. And I sat there going, if this is not an epiphany moment where God is like yeah. sometimes... You don't understand the complexity of the decisions I'm making. Like, son, I love you. I want you to play sports, but that's not a healthy environment. You know, maybe if you were 19 and 20, a little more firm in your faith, you probably could take some stuff. 10, no. And son, just because I don't want you to be around these people doesn't mean I don't love them. I hope that they are repentant. I hope that they grow in the Lord in that area. But that that doesn't mean we're going to be around them right now. And so I found myself just a few days ago, really trying to explain 
a decision that he just could not understand. And wow. I just had to land on, you know, I love you. I am listening to you, but sometimes I have to make decisions that you're not going to understand and agree with. And the Lord, I feel like the Lord was in the corner going, mm-hmm. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> that sound familiar? Say that part again, Jada. I was like, oh. Yeah, say it again. Okay, here we go. But it's like that. It's just like yeah. that. And you're like, I'm a created being, and my son doesn't understand everything I'm doing. So, gosh, how much more will there be yeah. gaps in comprehension, right, mm-hmm. where I cannot completely understand God? And so, but that works in my favor, too. And now I'm on a tangent. Because Philippians says, I will have a peace that surpasses comprehension, right, when I pray to right. the Lord. So there's blessings that surpass my comprehension, too. And so you got to take it all. There's just a lot of things about God I'm not going to understand. Yeah. And it doesn't make him less God or less loving or less just. And it's just a tension that believers have to live in. Ugh. It's like... If the the vastness of of God, right, is mm-hmm. like even as small as the universe, <laughs> yeah. and yet the the details of what we feel that we must untangle and know are about as small as as the you know the pen in my hand yeah. compared to the vastness of God. If it were yeah. as small as the universe, where you're just like, I feel like this is everything, and yeah. you're just like, oh no no no, it's like not. the vastness <laughs> of God, you can't even begin yes. to understand, and it makes me feel like I said, it makes me feel so 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 small. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, and him so, so, so big and like, what is man that you are mindful of him? Like, it just mm. makes me feel yeah. so like, God, that you would love me, that you would send your son to die, like your holy son yeah. to die yeah. for, for, I'm just a speck. Like I'm, I should like blow away like the chaff and like, but you not only sent your son for me, but like, you want a relationship with me? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't, mm-hmm. like, it just, it floors me in a, like, in a really good way. Yeah. Hey, friends, pausing this conversation to tell you about one of our podcast sponsors, Haya. Now, it's no secret that typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise, right? They're filled with tons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk that your kids just don't need. That is why Haya was created. It is the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. It has 12 organic fruits and vegetables, 15 essential vitamins and minerals, and Haya has zero sugar. It's vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, all the things you want in a children's vitamin. And somehow, kids still love it. And I have to tell you, so do all the moms with young kids here at the She Reads Truth office. So if you want to see if Haya is right for your family, we have a special deal just for you where you can get 50% off your first order. Just go to HayaHealth.com slash truth. Your first order will arrive with a super cute bottle that your kids can decorate with stickers. And then each month's supply of vitamins will arrive right at your door. You don't even have to think about it. This deal is not available on the regular website. So be sure to go to Haya Health. That's H-I-Y-A. H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash truth and claim your discount and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Hey friends, quick ad break to tell you about a new dog food brand our family has discovered called Sundays for Dogs. I'll get to all the details of why Sundays is such a great product to know about, but first I have to tell you what happened in the Myers home this month when our Vishla honey gave it a try. It was 4th of July weekend, and the firework sounds made her a ball of nerves for days. She's already a super lean animal, so three days of an emotional hunger strike from her regular dog food had her looking super skinny. Anyway, it was the perfect day for our first delivery of Sundays for Dogs. I opened the bag, and she was immediately interested. Like, I think she thought it was a bag of treats. She could hardly wait for me to set the bowl down before she was inhaling their 90% meat, 10% vegetable, 0% synthetic mix. Her hunger strike didn't stand a chance against this stuff, and that was the first reason that I knew I wanted to tell you all about it. Besides the fact that Honey clearly loved the USDA beef and the all-natural chicken, she was also getting digestive benefits from pumpkin, ginger, and disease-fighting antioxidants. We've loved continuing to feed Honey Sundays for dogs because, first of all, her enthusiasm for mealtime has not dimmed. But also, long-term enjoyment benefits include softer fur, fresher breath, better poops, and more energy, which she doesn't really need a lot of help in that department, but we'll take it. 
Listen, you know how much we love to talk about simplifying your life with subscriptions around here. So along with your SRT monthly study book delivery, consider adding Sundays for Dogs to your list of subscriptions. Now I've got details for how you can get 35% off your first order of Sundays. Go to sundaysfordogs.com slash truth or use code truth at checkout. That's S-U-N-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-D-O-G-S dot com forward slash truth. Upgrade your pup to Sundays and feel good about the food you feed your dog. I just think God's promise is here we find, you know, in, in 10 and 13, when Paul is talking a little bit about Jacob and Esau, you know, and he's basically trying to explain kind of what happened, how that all played out. It's like we have to regard like this idea of love and hate. You know, he says, and not only so, but also when Rebecca had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born, had done nothing good or bad in order that God's purpose of election, even that that point of election is in a bigger idea that God's purpose, God's promise isn't yeah. based on our behavior. It's not based on, he knew that Jacob and Esau would go left. He knew all that and he still had a promise and he still had a plan. And I think there's an assurance and understanding that the promise of God, the plan of God isn't dependent on me. Oh my gosh. That Amen. that if I deviate, if I detour, all of mm-hmm. that is accounted for in his plan. And so, yeah. you know, Paul is like, we don't understand that because when we deviate, our plans go bad. God yeah. is like, yeah, but you have free will. But even within that, I've got a plan that's bigger even than, than the spectrum of your free will. <laughs> like, yeah. I yeah. know what I'm doing. He's the ultimate, you know, plate spinner. It's like 900 million things <laughs> moving at one time. And God, yeah. like, I got it. I got, I got it. it. I got it. You know, so that's just a hard thing, I think, sometimes to to understand. Yeah. But it can be reassuring and overwhelming. <laughs> so it can be both. Yeah. I yeah. felt like as I was reading nine and then the first half of 10, like, I'm sure maybe you went here too, but like, I was immediately going like, wait, 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 like, then what's the role of evangelism? Like, like, mm, as you're like yeah. reading about like, that he'll show mercy to whom he'll show mercy. And you're just like, so do we just yeah. like sit around or like, yeah. how, how do we, how do we help? But also like, if there's nothing that we can do to give to God, but our bodies are living sacrifice, how does this all work? And yeah. I love that, like Paul was like, I anticipated your question and, <laughs> and, and kind of goes into it a little bit in verse 14. He says like, how then can they call on him that have not believed? And how can they believe without hearing yeah, about yeah. him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are mm. the feet of those who bring the good the news. Good. Yeah. But not all obeyed. For Isaiah said, who has believed our message? And so like, then he goes into like, first of all, how beautiful the feet that bring the good news. Yes. Like, yeah, he's like, keep that. bringing the good news. Keep bringing and then it. he's just like, to be clear, like, think about the Old Testament. Isaiah is going, who even has believed our message? Like, yeah. I'm going to preach to a lot of deaf ears, yeah. right? And then, Jesus you know, even to deaf ears. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, those who have an ear. The son of God. Like, people yeah. did not listen. Absolutely. But then I love, like, and you guys will read this on Wednesday of this week, but like even down in verse 20, and Isaiah says boldly, I was found by those who were not looking for me. Mm-hmm. I revealed mm-hmm. myself to those who were not asking for me. Like those like two little lines are so Ooh. beautiful, right? Yes. Yes. Mm. It's so powerful. And it's kind of like, you know, Scripture tells us that, you know, when we were against God, Jesus was reconciling us to himself, you know. And so, man, that is so powerful. And I think we need a a broader perspective when it comes to our role as evangelists, you know, aside from your spiritual gifting, you may have a special endowment of the Holy Spirit to evangelize. But as believers, we're all called to evangelize, to to share the gospel. If you're a believer, you have a ministry. You have a ministry, right? And Mm so... I'm living in soccer world right now, so that's what comes to mind when I think about mm-hmm. this because I'm thinking about my son, and you know he may get frustrated. He got a, he played a game, didn't score a goal. I'm like, yeah, everybody's not going to score a goal on the team, but someone's asked you to put the jersey on. You're on the team. We're all playing yeah. toward a common end, and sometimes yeah. you're going to be the person that has the final conversation with someone, and then they invite God into their heart. And sometimes you're the person that has the first conversation. You don't know that's where right. you are that's in that good. person's journey, yeah. but. We are all on this team. Mm-hmm. Some will score. Some will play defense. Some in spreading the good news are going to come against what the devil is trying to do in someone's life. So it's right. kind of like Paul is saying, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what you think about your role. And if you think this is all for nothing, I'm telling you, you still got to go and share the good news. You've got to 
the Lord is giving us the call to go and create opportunities for people to believe. And so that's right. It still is a beautiful mandate. And he's saying, yeah, I don't want you to think that your work is not necessary because how will they hear? Because like, remember that part where God said, go and make disciples. <laughs> like yeah, he yeah, didn't yeah. say, I'm going to put a message in the sky so that every person that's ever born on the earth will know the gospel and they just get to decide. No, he said, I'm going to use you flawed, broken people to go and be my representatives, be on my team. And I want you to make disciples the way I've discipled you. And so I think it's a good reminder that this is the call to evangelism is not passive. God still needs us to, to do that work. Going back to, I think it's in week two. I'm turning my pages, which is why you can hear it. On pages 52 and 53 in the Truth Study book. And it's this map of Paul's journeys. Mm-hmm. And like Jada, it's like exactly what you're saying. We're like, look at how many times he like looped back, like another yeah. time. And like he went back <laughs> right, to right, be right. like mutually encouraged often, and like sometimes yeah. to like spread the gospel. At e- mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like he only visited every place once. Even like he was just yeah. like going back, intending, and like knowing that like there were some people who heard the good news that first visit and didn't follow Christ, yeah. but maybe on the mm-hmm. second or the third, like just like watching his travels during the, that amount of time of his life, it's just interesting yeah. and like a good reminder that there is like time and work and like cultivating Absolutely. that happens yeah. and and relationships, yeah. which is like what all these letters from Paul are, yeah. they're relationships, right? Mm-hmm. They are, yeah. And I think there's a patience, a loving patience to evangelism because God has been patient with us. He's been, he was yeah. patient with the Israelites. He's patient with us. He gives us time to respond just in his yeah. grace, clearly, since the beginning, since the first prophet until now, people still hear the gospel and don't respond. Most people in the world will have multiple opportunities to respond to God. And so, yeah. I mean, how gracious and patient, which means that, you know, this kind of can speak to people who have the evangelistic gift, too, because usually when you're gifted in an area, your passion and intensity can really be high. You have to say, with this passion, I need to be patient because it's not my Mm -hmm. job to bring this soul to God. It's my job to continue to be a mouthpiece for God Mm -hmm. to to spread the gospel and be patient. Let people respond and not be frustrated when people take a long time to make up their mind. Listen, that's between them and God. (laughs) You, You just be the beautiful feet that's bringing the good news, you know? And so I think we have to be careful, even as we're passionate about spreading God's truth, that we're patient with people. You know, some people come to the Lord and they go back to their families and they're like, oh, y'all need to get it together. I've gotten saved and you need to come to Jesus. You know, you go to all your ex, <laughs> to your ex-boyfriend, or your ex-whoever, and you're telling everybody they need to, okay. God is like, all right, I see the excitement there, but hold on. Because <laughs> remember mm-hmm. when you took, it took you a while to respond to me? Like, remember my own chosen people are still responding to me? Remember Isaiah said, hey, I was preaching, everybody wouldn't listen. Remember my son was preaching? So there's this grace that we have to give even as we're passionate about the gospel for sure and even like what we read from chapter 10 like like where you're going like it might take a hundred times it might take a thousand times and like knowing that like we're like participating in the kingdom and participating in the will of god and also knowing that it's not up to us we just finished reading a series on the genealogy of christ and so Mm. we talked Mm -hmm. about rahab this verse that I just read made me think of her, like where it says, I was found by those who were not looking for me. I mm. revealed myself to those who were not asking for me. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like, she heard about God because there was like, what is like this like God of Israel doing? Like, what is this? Like, they're like so far away. Like the people of mm-hmm. Israel had never even like arrived there, but it was like through rumors of the yeah. God of Israel that she found him and believed Uh and was just like, we've Uh been waiting for you because like we knew you were coming. Like there is no God on like heaven above, earth below that is your God. And meanwhile, like the Israelites are all milling around, you know, and and (laughs) trying to figure it out. And Rahab sees it clear as day. She's like, like, that's my God. I want him. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. That worked out well for us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Okay, I have so many notes on this page. Thursday's day title is God Has Not Rejected His People. Oh, my and gosh, this was good. on yeah. this day, like, I loved the section, Israel's rejection is not total. Israel's rejection is not final. And then it ends with this, like, gorgeous hymn of praise. Mm-hmm. But, like, this whole section, I mean, like, I don't know. We can read it all. We can read none of it. We can talk about it. But, like, it's, it's I mean, just, it's, the, it's so good. It's, it's the grafting language. Like, okay, yeah. here's the thing. 
so Paul's like a little bit funny, but not like in like that like verse 11 section where he's like, well, here's my strategy. Like I'm going to like bring y'all to faith to make the people of Israel jealous <laughs> so that they'll be like, wait, we went into that. Like he's literally going like, I'm just make them jealous so that like if y'all maybe come to Christ, finally. maybe it'll actually like loop in some of them <laughs> also. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay, Paul. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm going to read from verse 17, and then we can just talk about it, because I feel like that's going to be the best, even for our listeners. Like, I want y'all to get to hear this, okay. so that as yeah. Jada and I talk about—actually, Jada, you read it. Starting in verse 17, and I don't know, do what the Spirit leads. If you want to read the whole thing or certain parts, or we can break and talk about it as we go. Now, if some of the branches were broken off, and you, though a wild olive branch, were grafted in among them, have come to share in the rich root of the cultivated olive tree— do not boast that you are better than those branches. But if you do boast, you do not sustain the root, but the root sustains you. Verse 19, then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. True enough, they were broken off because of unbelief. But you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but beware. Because mm-hmm. if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Therefore, consider God's kindness and severity. If that's a paradox, I don't know what it is. Right. I don't know what it is. Right. Consider God's kindness and severity. Severity toward those who've fallen, but God's kindness toward you, if you remain in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not remain in unbelief, will be grafted in because God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from your native wild olive tree and against nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Listen. Right? <laughs> that is so weighty. And he, I'm going to just so read 25 because he says, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you will not be conceited. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Then he says, they're enemies for your advantage for the gospel. Like, it's so much into that. So first of all, he's saying, look, Gentiles, be glad that the gospel's been extended to you, but you're not better. Just because you were grafted in, some of these natural branches, right, the chosen people of Israel who haven't responded, have have fallen away, don't think that you're better. Because guess what? God can graft them in again. And then he says, and if you're going to boast, you better say that the root— of this tree that Jesus sustains you. Not that Jesus, oh, it's a good thing we got grafted in because, you know, the Israelites, are, yeah. Yeah, the Israelites are acting crazy and who would have represented Jesus if it wasn't for us? And Paul's like, really? He God needs us. Need, yeah. Really? He doesn't need mm-hmm. any of you, you know? Yeah, so yeah. he's like, stay humble, be grateful. And guess what? I think as a message to believers, sometimes we are not, I don't think as Christians today, we have enough focus on praying for those that remnant, those Jews to be grafted back in again. We, oh, we kind of forget yeah. Israel. It's way over there. And yeah. man, God is saying, this is a part of my plan. I'm bringing fullness through the Gentiles. But when that happens, my plan still includes the restoration of Israel. And so, man, I think there's a selflessness that we have to have that's bigger than our first world problems. If you're if you struggle because we get sucked into the American gospel, that is very much not a global gospel. And yeah. God is like, wait, I got my chosen people who still have not responded to me. Why aren't you praying for them? Because that is that is a part of God's plan. Like it's not just about us living our best lives in Jesus. He's like, no, there's a bigger plan. So I think the the fact that Paul takes the time to paint that picture is because he's just laid into the Jews. Like, don't get all caught up in your heritage. Mm-hmm. He's got to lay into the Gentiles and say, hey, but you, you, y'all are the grafted branches now. Mm-hmm. Don't start feeling yourself because you need to be grateful and humble. And I want you to be aware that God may regraft again those natural branches because it's all one tree. And at the end of the day, no one's going to be inspecting if this branch was grafted or natural as long as it would. That Jesus says in John, as long as it bears fruit. He's like, listen, everybody yeah. needs to come into this. We still need to have a unification in what God is trying to do so that you can That's see right. his greater plan. Definitely. That's right. I think about that grafting and like he even kind of says it, but just like the reality of that kindness and severity and just going like, in order to be grafted in, a branch had to be cut off. 
Like yes. that is the severity. Like yeah, yeah. It is not. Room was pretty. made is for it like, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like something had to be removed in order for you to be added on. Not that there's like this like a limited economy to be clear, yeah. but just right. like knowing like that I'm included in. And then Jada, like you were saying, it just humbles me to be invited by Scripture into like like you just said like participating in praying for the people yeah. of Israel for like God's people mm-hmm. to come back to him like the people who don't believe that Jesus was the son of God but like to pray for Israel to yes. return to the Lord like mm-hmm. I don't know that just makes me feel like I'm the least of these like I I'm not even I don't even belong here I'm not even supposed to be here yeah. they'll come back like being yeah. invited to like pray for that that's a good conviction Mm-hmm. Because we forget it. I mean, I think we just, yeah, we just did a sermon. We're in a beloved series now at our church. And one of the messages in this series is the American gospel. It's just like, <laughs> man, we are so worried about, you know, church names and who said what and mm-hmm. making sure our social media following is growing and arguing over who can teach and what to wear. What I mean, man, there's bigger, there's just bigger things at stake. And, and, you know, even in verse 28, I think that statement regarding the gospel, they are enemies for your advantage. Regarding election, they are loved because of the patriarchs, since God's gracious gifts and calling are irrevocable. Irrevocable. Which Even is like people, hard to understand. Like they have rejected me. They've said no. But yeah. my gracious gifts, my calling, it's irrevocable. Guess what, Gentiles? It's irrevocable for you too. But remember when y'all were struggling with God shows mercy to who he shows mercy, that maybe he hardened the heart of faith. Remember when all that didn't make sense? Well, now I bet you're okay with the fact that because God allowed these Israelites to reject him, that's what opened the gospel door for you Gentiles. You still upset about when God shows mercy to who he shows? Because he's saying it's because they did not fully accept him that Mm -hmm. they are enemies, but it's to your advantage. That's why God's like, I'm going to open up this thing for everybody. And so there's a strange feeling of, ooh, I'm kind of glad that that worked out the way it did because now I have access to the gospel. And so it's just another reminder that the plans of God may not always make sense to us, but they're always perfect. And so, you know, he lays that out and that's just a mind blowing thing that like, what? They're my enemies for my advantage. Oh, okay. Like it's a whole thing. He's trying to give you a sneak peek into how a sovereign God acts in humanity and like his kindness and his severity. I love that statement. I I love that statement. I know. know, It's just kind of like he is extremely kind, but also extremely severe. And you'd be wise to stay mindful. And sometimes his severity is kindness, right? Like Absolutely. 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 Mm. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful thing. We were talking about Peter earlier on Thursday's reading. We actually end the reading in first Peter chapter 2, and it's this reminder of who we are. It says, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you Mm -hmm. may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, Mm -hmm. but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mm -hmm. This makes you stand up a little straighter. But yeah. in like boasting and boasting in his mercy, not in like, yeah. I mean, to be clear what he just said, yeah. but it's still, that it makes you sit up a little taller, right? Absolutely. Yeah. What a high calling, what a precious, yeah. just a precious gift, you know, and yeah. to know that on my worst day, again, God's patience and kindness, that his gracious gifts and calling are irrevocable. Yeah. They're irrevocable. Yeah. Amen. You, you Amen. cannot Amen. out behave God's mm-hmm. blessing and calling for your life. Can't it's disqualify just, yourself. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. yeah. That, that right there does something. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We read it Absolutely. here in black and white. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if mm-hmm. you, if you, I encourage people as you're reading this to do a little work, do a little research on this relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles, what it meant, how weighty it was for Paul to be explaining that they could now be grafted in, that they would eventually be a part of one big family and like there's this kind of push and pull with the natural branches versus the grafted in branches and so I think it's so so worth it because I think that plan and understanding this mystery that Paul talks about in verse 25 leads him to that hymn of praise like you're like wait a minute they're my enemies but it's for my good they're natural I'm grafted 
I'm going to become like the root and then they're going to have a chance to come back. God doesn't take his gifts back. He's kind. He's severe. Like it's so much happening. He lands on the last few verses here. Verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Paul's like, even what I'm writing to myself is blowing my mind. And so what I'm yes. writing for you all is, is blowing my own mind. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments. Of course, I don't understand this grafting, this natural, this kindness, right? this severity, yeah. this enemies from my advantage. And God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he can have mercy. Like I've just made everybody, I've allowed everybody to be disobedient. So then you can see my mercy. Like what? So then he's saying, right. how unsearchable his judgments, untraceable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord, who has been his counselor, who has ever given to God that he should be repaid. If you thought you knew the mind of the Lord, just read chapter 11 and you'll realize you don't. And he's saying, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I mean, what a conclusion. And I think Paul is showing us, hey, I'm going to give you a glimpse into this plan because that serves a purpose. Try to explain the Gentiles, explain to the Jews. But at a higher level of observation, it's almost like this reminder that when you don't understand the hand of God, when you're not clear on the working of God, you can still worship God. You get to a point, sometimes you're thinking, why is this happening, God? What should I do next? It can become overwhelming. At some point, you're going to have to just cease and desist and land yeah. on, oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Like, oh, like David says, is your knowledge, yeah, yeah, David says, it's too wonderful for me. Like, it's too yeah. much for me to mm-hmm. know how you think mm-hmm. and your goodness. It's just too much. And Sometimes you just, you, you stop and you go, it's too much. I mean, I know what I know, but my God, it's too much. Mm-hmm. It's unsearchable. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That is okay. Yeah. It makes it worthy of praise and, and worship. Yeah. That's right. So, so powerful. Yeah. And then the last day of this week, I mean, like, if we just spent all this time going, how did I get here? It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's then asking, like, what do I do now that I'm here? You yeah, know, well, like, Romans 12 turns a big corner in the book. It does. You know, it turns right? a big corner. Yes, that's right. He's about, yeah. to, he's about to get into the rest of his books and very practical living. And it's the structure of a lot of epistles where there's a ton of real estate given to who God is, who you are, identity, identity, history, identity. Then he goes, now, <laughs> how do you live in light of that? You know, because mm-hmm. I can't call you to live right until you understand the history. And he's saying, now, look at this, one of these most powerful verses, I think, in Scripture, those first few verses of chapter 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercy of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship, presenting your body as a living sacrifice. I know, Jews, you're familiar with many sacrificial ceremonies. You've sacrificed animals. You've brought harvest. You've done so many things. But now... With this new covenant, it's you, it's your body, it's your life, a constant living sacrifice, like living as one offered up, but still alive. This is what it means to be a Christian, he's saying. This is your true worship. It's no longer the checklist of things and attending and showing up. It's sacrificial living. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. That, listen, that's 20 sermons right there. Because Paul is like, here's how we live now. Remember, Jesus was that one-time sacrifice. He died, but now he's alive again. I want you to live as a sacrifice, like live as a burnt offering every day. Mm -hmm. And not just in theory, your body, like your physical body. Give yourself, your life, your mind, everything to pleasing God in everything that you do. And so... It's just so comprehensive. And then he says, you want to know the will of God? And some of us are like trying to discern the voice of God. How, what do I do? I pray, I fast, I, I read the scripture. I'm trying to figure out something. He says, well, if you're not living sacrificially, number one, and if you are aligning yourself with the world as opposed to resisting it, you're not going to know the will of God because the culture clouds your judgment. He's saying, don't be conformed to this world. That's right. Be transformed. That transformation process, that renewing of the mind, Paul also calls it taking our thoughts captive. Like it is this arresting of our thinking that mm-hmm. transforms us that then in itself reveals the will of God. Because to be transformed, I got to be taken in truth. I got to be responding to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So the will of God is not something that we try to decipher in crisis. It's not something that Amen. we try to decipher in a certain situation. 
It is something that we live every single day and he constantly reveals. Say yes, say no, make that phone call, apologize, take this opportunity, say no to this opportunity, go to bed, stop working, start working. Like it's these constant whispers. It is not the crisis where we're like, oh God, tell me what to do. What do we do? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, well, first of all, walk with the Lord is what you do. Walk with me. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you, you know, so. It's just, it's so weighty what he's saying in these first few yeah. verses of chapter 12 as he's really setting the tone for Christian living now. And then in Ephesians 4, it's like a finishing of a sentence, verse 14. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who mm-hmm. is the head, Christ. Yeah. yeah. Let's grow into him. Grow. Let's grow now. Yeah. Right. Now that you know some things, let's. It's time to live it out. Yeah. It's time to live it out. And then he. I think it's why he turns another corner into the practice of Christian living. Like, how do we use these gifts? Like, that's right. That's right. Mean? I mean, going back to twelve, you know? there's so much there. Yeah. 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 It's meant to serve the body. Like. Yeah. It's yeah. meant to to honor God. This is how we serve one another. This is how we are used by the Holy Spirit. And so. He's really, I think, opening up a really important section of scripture where it's like, That's right. what does this thing mean? Because, you know, future weeks, y'all are going to get into the authority, what it means to to honor God as we submit to authority, with all these things. And so he's like, all right. I mean, and we've done a whole historical background. <laughs> yeah, we spent yeah. most of this book talking about how did who we got get here? here? Yeah. How did we uh-huh. get here? Now, what do we do now that we're here? That's right. And yeah, it's such a conclusive statement, those first three That's verses. Good sets a tone for what's coming. Yeah. Jada, thank you so much for coming. I hope this gets people excited about a book that I think can be perceived as intimidating, but I think this is awesome. I love it that y'all are doing it. All right. Friends listening, you know what to do next. Be a woman in the Word of God every day this week. Open the scriptures. Learn from them. Like Hold them over your head as your authority. And know that you won't understand everything, but ask for understanding. Ask for wisdom. He will give it. And then like, do what Jada and I just did. Sit down with a friend and talk about what Mm -hmm. you just read. Host your own podcast, and it doesn't have to have microphones. Just like sit down on the (laughs) sofa or across the table from somebody and talk to, like, dig into it. Say, like, I didn't get this. That's... It's one of the best things that we can do as the body of Christ is to just talk about the scriptures with each other, rehearse the gospel with one another. So I invite you to do that this week. Come back next week. Amanda and I will be wrapping up this series, week five. Just the two of us. We're excited. But until next week, dear Jada, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles.